Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy. Uh, we're so good to be with you today on this Thursday, July the 2nd of 2020. Uh, we're just a few days uh, going into the weekend. And uh, so many things, as always, uh, continue to happen around our world, uh, around especially our nation, all the things that uh, we read that are taking place. And uh, this has us, uh, if we can use that word, more awake than ever before, you know, and and our spiritual antennas are really uh, going around and, and discerning what is taking place. And I think it's pretty clear, at least for those who have ears to hear and eyes to see, that we are living in the last days. We're no longer going. I, I believe it has begun already. And so that's why we think that it's so important that we gather in such a time like this to uh, bring an expression of the word of God in, with a prophetic lens to know what God is saying. So we thank God for you. We thank God that you are um, joining us today, that you could set out of your time to join us and, and study the word of God uh, together. And uh, we want to let you know we pray for you. And as well, we ask of you, those of you who know how to pray, to continue to lift us up in prayer, the panel, so that we can continue to be strengthened, to do the work that God has called us to do in this hour. So it was a pleasure to be with the panel, Brother Marty, Brother Fernando, to study the word of God together. So, Brother Marty, I'll leave it to you to share what God has placed in your heart today on this Thursday as we continue uh, on our series of Nicodemus and his meeting at night with Jesus and praying uh, that you will be blessed today. So, Brother Marty, share what God has placed in your heart as we study the Word of God together. Amen. We're picking it up again today uh, from John chapter 3, uh, verse 14, and, and we're going to explore those subjects. I think you're going to see some really cool things uh, by the grace of the Spirit as we go into, uh, I think this is our fourth, is it, fourth podcast on Nicodemus? Yeah. Yes. Four. <laughs> so we're on part four. Who knew, right, that John 3.16 had so much <laughs> <laughs> so much in it, right? So, anyway, Brother Jeremy, would you uh, and those of you who have your Bibles, if you're just joining us, or those who have been following along uh, with us, you know that these are these podcasts are designed to to dig into a little bit deeper into the Word, and so we encourage you to have your Bible with you as we continue exploring uh, this this chapter uh, of the meeting of Nicodemus with the Lord. So, Brother Jeremy, would you mind reading uh, as we pick it up? where we left off yesterday in, in verse 14 and, and read through uh, verse 16, please. Amen. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Praise the Lord. So one of the things that we've been discussing is, uh, and, and again, we'll just reiterate it a little, in John chapter 3, verse 1, uh, Nicodemus is identified as, as, a, as being of the Pharisees, but also as a ruler of the Jews. And we encourage you to go back and listen to the first three parts of, of this series where we gave extensive background, some really cool things uh, we felt led of the Lord to explore 
uh, in developing how just important and how profound uh, this meeting was at nighttime. It occurred during the Passover season, and and so uh, there the, the, that that morning or that afternoon, Jesus had come into the temple and had cleansed it, had uh, had driven the money changers out of the house of God. And uh, of course, we can look back on it and realize what he was actually doing was removing the leaven from the house, which is one of the uh, things that are required during the Passover season leading up to the uh, the uh, slaying of the Passover lamb, so forth and so on, during the festival of Passover. All of them were supposed to clean their house of leaven, which is a, which is a symbolic representation of sin. Uh, and so <clears throat> when the Lord... <clears throat> excuse me, when he comes into Jerusalem in the very first year of his public ministry uh, and he comes to the Passover in Jerusalem, uh, the very first thing that he does is, is announce his presence in a big way. And he confronts the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the ruling elite of his day and, and literally uh, drives the leaven out of the house. And And that would create such a huge stir. And as we talked about, before you know this is about this is the culmination really of about 30 years of an unfolding demonstration of the lord um giving witness of his son and then after being baptized with john uh in john's baptism he he goes into the wilderness where he's where he's uh in conflict with satan himself and he overcomes the the three major temptations and and then uh exits the wilderness in great victory and full of the Holy Spirit and power, the Bible says. And so he begins his public ministry. And he goes up into Galilee, and there, you know, you can read that in John chapter 1 and John chapter 2. He acquires uh, John and Andrew and, and, and Peter and James, Nathaniel, Philip. He begins to select his disciples, and and then out of that, he, we go into the miracle of the wedding at Cana. And then the Bible leads us, as John records it, to this Passover, this very first Passover. And word had been spreading about the Lord. And so, you know, <clears throat> by the time he gets to Jerusalem, there's always, there's already a great, uh, you know, awareness of this, this new, this new ministry that has risen up. And, and like we talked about, Nicodemus being part of the rulers of the Jews, he's part of the Sanhedrin the great 70 men uh, that that were incredible geniuses, really, in the Word of God, in science, in, in math, in politics. They, they had to be. They were, they were the ruling judges of the nation and the caretakers of the nation. But the Pharisees, of whom Nicodemus was, like we talked about, they get a bad, they get a bad name sometimes because of how they acted and, and how they rejected the Lord. But the truth of the matter is, is that they, if you remember when Jesus spoke, speaking to the crowd, says, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees, you shall in no wise enter into the kingdom of God. So these these were men whose, whose intent was to serve the Lord and to seek him with all their heart. And this one Nicodemus was, was one that God selected personally to reveal some of the most extraordinary things. And so after the cleansing of the temple that day and the re revelation that he told them, you know, you destroy this temple and I'll raise it up in three days. He was speaking of his resurrection. He announced himself in a big way. And as we talked about yesterday, he goes back 
that evening uh, and retires quite possibly to the Apostle John's apartment there in Jerusalem. And you can go back and listen to what we taught on that. <clears throat> so here we are in John chapter 3, and, and we've been going over uh, verse by verse what, what it was that Jesus began to reveal to this great this great saint of God, you know, this Nicodemus. And <clears throat> by the time we get to verse 14, uh, he begins to really reveal to, to Nicodemus his mission, his purpose. And like we talked about yesterday, Nicodemus being a master of, of the word of God, uh, he, Jesus knew as he's leading him to understand what he's doing, he knew that when he was about to mention this story, that Nicodemus would go back and begin to explore it, begin to examine it. And and in so doing, he's leading him basically uh, to understanding his mission and his purpose. Because what the Lord was revealing to him was something, even to this day, when you get into some of these commentaries and the deeper historical looks behind the Pharisees, Sadducees, the, the rabbis, the commentaries of the Jewish nation, whenever they get to this story about Moses making this serpent and putting it on a pole, the commentaries go silent. They basically don't have anything or any light to say. They really don't understand it. And uh, it, it's quite interesting uh, because, <clears throat> because we understand it because the Holy Spirit uh, you know, uh, has revealed these things in the sense that we're saved, we're the Gentiles, we're saved, we know who that serpent on the pole was. But the Lord was really speaking to this man, and he would accept the Lord as his Savior. Matter of fact, like we talked about, he would be there to help take him down from the cross. He would be there with Joseph of Arimathea and the others and put him in his tomb, and and and, uh, and, and, and and he loved the Lord. And we won't get into all the other traditions that speak of what happened afterwards, but because we want to focus on this, because he drew Nicodemus's attention to this. In verse 14, he said, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life or eternal life. So I want to look at this. We we discussed it a little bit better uh, a little bit yesterday, but we're going to go back and look at what was he drawing his attention to? Because there's some things that we can really learn here uh, in, in what Nicodemus would come to discover. And Jesus drew his attention to that event. So, so Brother Jeremy, if you wouldn't mind going over to Numbers chapter 21, and let's just look at a few things here. And we're going to see some of the things that we learned uh, that Nicodemus would learn as well, and what God was trying to draw his attention to. And it's very interesting uh, what Jesus speaks to him. Are you there in Numbers 21? Yes, yes. Uh, let's. Why don't you read, uh, let's see, verse 5 and 6 to us to start with. Okay. And the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loaded this light bread. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. So imagine now, this is what the Lord draws Nicodemus' attention to. And he takes him all the way back 
to even before they came into the promised land. And so he was trying to reveal to him something. He was trying to show him something at the beginning of his public ministry. He still had another, you know, two and a half years basically to go, maybe three years to go before his public ministry would be concluded in his first appearance. But right off the bat, you know, in this wonderful meeting that we've been talking about um, on that Passover evening, the first one that he celebrated in his public ministry, he draws Nicodemus's attention to this. He's speaking to him, and he knew that he would go back and research. And, and, and so that's why we're looking at this. First of all, what they were murmuring about, right? The, the people, verse 5, spoke against God and against Moses. Right. And, and what they were murmuring about was that they were right on the edge of the promised land. They had come right to the edge of the land of Canaan. And they engage in this battle. And and they finished the battle, which you can read in verse 1 through 4. <clears throat> and instead of going right into the promised land, God God pauses for a moment and he has Moses take them a different way. It's like they go backwards. Read verse 4 to us, Jeremy, would you? Yes. And they journeyed from Mount Or by the way of the Red Sea to, comp- to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. Well, let's just camp here for a minute because Nicodemus would have read this passage and and like any good minister, he would have read much before it and much after it. And so when he comes to this particular passage, which the Lord directed him to, Jesus is speaking in such deep and prophetic ways right now much of which Nicodemus couldn't even understand. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, you won't understand. But what he had been telling him was that you can't see what God is actually doing unless you're born again, right? Chapter 3, verse right. 1 through 3. He says you can't see it unless you're born again. So he's he's beginning to show him how to get born again, how you will actually see. And so he takes mm-hmm. him back at his level you know, from the very word that he's committed to memory, really. And, and as as Nicodemus would be reading this, Jesus is speaking of such an incredible thing because, because what he's really revealing here is that Israel has been wandering in a wilderness because of her sin. She, she would go into captivity. She would come out of captivity. And now she finds herself under Roman domination. And the people are much discouraged because of the way. He's trying to speak to him in a very deep way here. And 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 the murmuring, the complaining that would that would come out of this is is really quite amazing. But so they begin to speak against God and Moses. But what he will go on to 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 find here is that is that God doesn't send these or allow these fiery serpents to come and bite them until they say, "We are sick of this bread that comes from heaven." It was like, oh, right? Because look at what it says in verse 5. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Nothing happened. They say this, wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? Nothing happened. There's no bread here and there's no water here. Nothing happened. But they say this, our soul loathes this manna or this light bread and the Lord sends fiery serpents. Mm -hmm. This is what he's drawing his attention to. In a veiled way, 
he was revealing to Nicodemus that I'm going to be rejected and it's going to be a severe penalty that you pay as a nation as a result of it, right? Just like they did back then. And in a, in a, in a way, it's almost like he's saying, this is what will prevent you from going into the promised land. This is, this is it. You know, this is, it's 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 multi-layered what what the lord is expressing and we have the benefit of looking back in hindsight knowing that this this particular event of rejecting the messiah would literally plunge israel into into death right because when jesus rose from the dead and then ascended up into heaven and then uh you know the church gets persecuted and gets scattered throughout the world the Jews are still in Israel looking for their Messiah, who they killed, who they rejected. They didn't. They didn't receive him. They loathed him. There was no beauty in him. They didn't want what he was offering. They rejected the bread from heaven. And so, as a result of that, in the year seventy A.D., it's as if the greatest serpent of all, the worst beast of all, the Roman Empire, would come and, and truly uh, destroy the nation. And and it would be a result. Right of, of of this rejection uh, of God, it says that much people of of Israel died in verse six. See, the Lord's preaching to Nicodemus, and and He's trying to reveal to him what's coming, and what the solution will ultimately be for the people. In the end, is that they will look at the cross. Right, they're going to look at Jesus. In, the, in, in Zechariah, it talks about the spirit of grace and supplication being poured out upon Israel, and that she will look at him whom she pierced, and she'll mourn for him as one mourns for their only son, and, and he will return when they mourn and they cry out for him like he promised them, right, in Matthew 23, verse 38, I think it is, where he says, you won't see me here again until you cry, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord, and, and when they cry that out, and the Bible says they will, he will return. But notice what Zechariah said, when they look upon him whom they pierced, right? That's when they'll right. be saved. Are you are you guys with me? Are you awake? <laughs> amen. No, amen. Okay. I'm just waiting for you to say something. All right. So listen. Well, Anyone you know, as, they, uh, as they're so loaded, that you're talking about a rejection of the bread, right? Of the manna. Uh, which translates yes. who Jesus said, I am the bread of life, right? right. And a, yes. a few days ago, you touched a little bit on this too and when you when you were speaking on Luke 17 about when Jesus declared that he must suffer many things and be rejected of this generation, a rejection yes. of the bread of life, a rejection yes. of, of the incarnate manna, if you would say, <laughs> manna that, yes. that, that it's Christ Jesus. So, this this thing plays itself not just in that time that we're speaking in numbers, but in the times of Nicodemus. The That's same right. thing happened. They rejected the bread of life. That's right. And and keep your finger there and turn over to John chapter six. My wife and I were talking about this this morning, and, and Sister Debbie brought out to me uh, something that 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 you know spurred her to think about this when she listened to our podcast from from yesterday you know in john chapter six uh he talks he says this in verse 41 are you there brother jeremy 641 listen to what he says 
Remember what what, what it says in, in verse 5 of Numbers 21. It says they began mm-hmm. to murmur and complain against God and Moses, right? Well, yes, the yes. same, the same, the same thing is, is. Well, read verse thirty-two first of all. First thirty-one. I'm sorry, thirty-one and thirty-two. Thirty-one, thirty-one and thirty-two. It says, "Our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat." Then Jesus said unto them, "Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father." Give it you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is He, verse thirty-three, which comes yes. down from heaven, right, and gives life, yes. uh, uh, and giveth life unto the world. And and then and then in verse forty-one, right here they are. They're doing the same thing their fathers did. That's what uh, Sister Debbie was pointing out. The Lord had showed her in verse forty-one. Can you read that? The Jews then murmured at him. Because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. So we see them repeating the very thing that their fathers did, right? Right. (laughs) Go ahead. What are you going to say? Did you have a comment, Brother Fernando? No, no. It's it's spot on. It's it's repeating itself. Um, I was just agreeing with it. But but I'll say this. um, It's it's going to repeat itself in these days, right? Yeah. Uh, the the same message has to present itself to his people. And as, yeah. as Pastor Jeremy quoted, and he has to be rejected of this generation, which is uh, quite a, a dark picture uh, to think that people who say they are, in essence, children of Abraham or or belong to a so-called denomination, Christian denomination, organization, whatever. But they're yeah. going to be presented with a message, and they too will fall in line with uh, those who did not enter, right? Uh, I think Hebrews talks about that that the word preached to them did not profit them. Right? Yeah. Because they didn't enter in through faith into that right. which uh, Jesus is presenting to Nicodemus, um, mm-hmm. you know, which is which is the kingdom of heaven. Right. Yeah. So uh, it's incredible. And and then and also to take it a little deeper here, when we go back to numbers, if you wouldn't mind, brother Jeremy, numbers twenty-one, uh, where we yeah. were, when 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 Nicodemus is reading these passages of scripture, which the Lord directed him to go look at, you know, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, because that would be the prescription for what was going on here. Um, there's 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 even a deeper meaning that he understood uh in 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 rabbinic tradition and 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 that's this is that what Jesus is saying to him because as as the bread that comes down from heaven he's the life right you just read it in John chapter 6 there you know I'm that the bread of life and what we see playing out here again is 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 the rejection of God in the garden you know, because Jesus is the tree of life, right? And 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 Nicodemus would understand it from that perspective as well. That when the original Adam rejected the tree of life and partook of of the bread <laughs> of the bread of the world, because that's what they were asking for, right? We don't have yes. natural bread, right? We don't have any natural water here. And that's what we want. 
You know, we don't want this tree that comes, this this bread of life, this this stuff that comes down from heaven. You know, and 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 that was what the original sin in the garden was. And so verse six even reveals what would happen as a result. They became bit by the serpent in the tree, right? They became bit by the fiery serpents in the wilderness. They all died. It's the same gospel story that we're told. You know, you, re- you we, we rejected God. We were bit by a serpent. We die. That's that's the consequence of sin. And so this is what he's revealing to him. It's it's profound, you know, because <laughs> he couldn't have understood it in its fullness. But he's drawing him. He's telling him the gospel story through history. And I like what you said yesterday, Brother Fernando, when you pointed out. Uh, and you use that word in sample, right? The dramatic conclusions of the story is what Paul told us to look at, not just historical accounts, but understand the drama behind it, right? They were examples yeah. unto us upon whom the ends of the world have come. And so we're learning as as well as Nicodemus, the, the, the pattern here, the, the process here, what they were looking for was that which was natural, and what's really incredible is this sin, this rejection, is on the eve of going into the promised land. Right? I mean, the entire wow. they've been out there for thirty-eight years. <laughs> you know, they right. were right. They're right on the edge of going into the promised land, which is, which we'll get to in a little bit, because that's what you mentioned earlier. But that's where we're headed: is that where we have come to in our time. You know, like you said, it has to be repeated, and I believe it is being repeated in this nation right now. You know, we we yeah. have come to the culmination of the ages, and and we'll get into it in a minute. But but there has been a rejection of the bread of heaven, and we wonder why yeah. all these fiery serpents are running through our streets. <laughs> wow. Exactly. Anyway, yeah, right? powerful. Amen. Yeah. So. So we got the Lord sending fiery, or allowing, really is how it should be, allowing these fiery serpents to come amongst the people, and they bit the people. Go ahead, brother. That, that's what you know. That's what he said. You know, and I, I'm trying to look for the scripture. I can't find it, but to paraphrase in the book of Deuteronomy, when when the Lord tells the people, "I'm the one who put you in the wilderness, right? Yeah. I'm the one yeah. who put you in a place where there was no water, no food, mm-hmm. right?" Yet I, I made, you know, I provided through a walk water. I provided manna. I'm the one who put you in the midst of fiery of serpents. Yes. You know, it, it's the Lord uh, causing this, you know, to uh, to happen. You know, to yes. shake the people, <laughs> to have them depend on Him. So He Himself, you're right, brother, is is causing, uh, allowing these things. If that's the right word to use in this hour, yes. and that's real powerful. What you said. There's snakes running loose right now all over our nation. Yes, there is. And think about, I like what you're saying, because what we're learning, and and as Jesus would lead Nicodemus, you know, we're being led there because it's quoted in the Gospel of John. That's why we're here. It's interesting when you look at it on a more personal note, right, like you're talking about. um, When a a soul gets to the point where it, it no longer rejoices in its in what God has revealed through Christ our Savior, right? When you walk away from that, when it becomes something that you're so familiar with that you find no more joy 
in the passion of it, in the joy of it. I mean, think of what was happening for 40 years. Yeah. These people would mm-hmm. go to bed at night <laughs> and they'd wake up in the morning and there'd be bread from heaven that tasted like right. honey, right? With the dew on it. And you know, that's all speaking of, of the Lord and the Holy Spirit and all that kind of stuff. But after this length of time, they they loathed it. They were so familiar with it. They were tired of the provision of God. And when we do that, even in the slightest bit, um, it, it creates or draws or attracts to us um, that which will, which will bite us and bring death into our lives. The condition is right. the condition of the heart. Loathing is a condition of the spirit. Right. I mean, we can murmur yes. and explain. Those are thoughts. Right. Why did he bring us out here? They're thinking. That's just thinking. You know, well, then there's bread. Yeah. Right. Then there's bread and water. That's the flesh. Right. That's the soul and the flesh. Uh, the soul is the, the complaining. The bread and the water is the flesh. But when you get to the heart of the matter, I loathe mm. what comes from heaven. That's spirit. That's serious. And that that opens the door for what what happened. They came and they were bit, and uh, but and it's 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 the kind of bite that leads to death, right? Because that's where everybody had it, apart from Christ, and that's what he was drawing his attention to. And so after this, after they, and and this is this is the thing, right? Verse seven. Can you read verse seven? How did they respond after this? This is quite amazing. They said, therefore, the people came to Moses and said, "We have sinned." For we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. Now here's something really interesting. Because now remember who, who, who Jesus told to go back and check this story out. He tells Nicodemus, a master in Israel. And what he's revealing to Nicodemus, who's a master of the law. Remember when Paul gave his... His resume in Philippians, uh, I think it's Philippians, where he said, "You know, I was, I was, uh, I was born of the tribe of Benjamin. I was circumcised on the eighth day." And then he says, "I was a Pharisee of Pharisees." And then he said, "Concerning the law, I was perfect." This, these are the kinds of people that they were. And so when, when now Nicodemus is reading this after having this conversation with Jesus. And, and 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 what Jesus was speaking to him, the word directing him to the word so he could hear from the word. He says, so here come the people that are bitten by snakes. They're dying. They come to Moses. Just as they've come to you, the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees and the priests for thousands of years. And, and they're asking you to take this away from them. Take the serpents away from us. But what yes. he revealed in the last part is Moses prayed for the people. Nothing mm. happened. Mm. Nothing happened. But what happened instead was that the Lord begins to give Moses instructions. And the instructions he gives him is verse 8. Can you read verse 8? Yes. And the Lord said unto Moses, make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, 
when he looketh upon it, shall live. Incredible. Because what was being revealed to Nicodemus here was so many things. Again, I, I want to emphasize Nicodemus reading this in light of having this conversation with Jesus. He's being told by the Lord that the law or or you, the leaders who sit in the seat of Moses, just like Moses, Moses didn't have power to take away this death from these serpents that were biting the people, even though he prayed. Right. His attention was diverted by the Father himself, the Lord, and he had to tell Moses how it would be done and how this death would be lifted from the people, this this representation of sin that leads to death and destruction because of rebellion. And he's basically revealing to Nicodemus at a very deep level. And this is something that you need to meditate on, even though we're just putting this information out. I mean, because if you think about it, that's what he's telling you. Not even Moses himself could take away the death from the sting of the serpent. And neither can the law, which you are caretakers of. And Moses was the lawgiver. But the law points us to something. The law is a schoolmaster, says something, Nicodemus. The law is that which leads you to absolute desperation which uh, and seeking of my father. And this is how he responded, just like he responded to Moses. Make a yeah. pole, put the serpent on it, and have the people look at the serpent on the pole. And if they'll see it, they'll live. He was... <laughs> Amen. Brother Marty. Yeah, go ahead. Immediately when you said that, I began to to think way back in March, it it seems like the same thing happened when many ministers, false teachers, prophets went before God for the people, right? (laughs) To command the coronavirus to leave. Right. And And it didn't happen. And it, and, still it hasn't. Like by the, and it still hasn't happened, but it seems like God is, is saying that again in this hour. You know, make the Afari serpent and set it upon yes. a pole, and those who shall look to it shall not be bitten, and they shall live. And so the it, 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 it's, it, it's, it's kind of the same thing that's happened, right, since March. All these preachers, right, we saw them calling out the coronavirus, rebuking it, and, and the authority that I have, and under the territory <laughs> that you've given, bro, right. and nothing has happened. Nothing happened. Yeah, I, I just immediately thought about that when you said that. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. Any thoughts on that, Brother Fernando? <laughs> well, yeah, the Lord took him to a wilderness. It's a reminder of what the world is, you know. Okay. Uh, and and I, think, I think the Lord, by taking away everything he took away from us, and it and has taken away from us during this pandemic. It's a reminder of that, you know. Hey, you're 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 in this world, and it and it and it seems to offer luxuries, right? And and all yeah. kinds of stuff. But your your dependence, you're really in a wilderness. This world is a wilderness, and your yeah. dependence should always be on me, right? Mm-hmm. But again, the 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 issue the the issue here has to do with the leadership 
of 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 the church, the religious leadership whom Jesus is addressing here, uh, and with Nicodemus, and yeah. and and Pastor Pastor said it right. You know, basically, you what Jesus is telling Nicodemus is you should have had this understanding already. You should have had yeah. the revelation of what Moses was was doing in the wilderness with the fiery serpent when he put it on the pole. So here I am. Jesus comes. The people are unaware. Right? They're unaware of who he yes. is. Yes. Because of the leadership. Right? He comes. And mm-hmm. it's the same thing today. Same thing yeah. is playing out today. The preachers are not preparing the people for his second coming. Yeah. That's right. And they're unaware. We're not even preaching the true gospel of the cross. We're not we're not preaching that Jesus saves, Jesus heals, Jesus baptizes with the Holy Spirit. He's coming again. We have right. ceased to preach that. Right. And yes. so, um, yeah, I just wanted to add that. That's yeah, powerful. Now, now, yeah, I was going to say, and what you said, Brother Jeremy, is, is really a, a, a good parallel. Because we're spiritual people that need to discern spiritual things. And it is an excellent thing you pointed out there that, you know, bringing it up to our day. Um, you know the, 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 these these ministers and, and these international ministries and these national ministers all rebuking this virus. None of them turning the people, like you said, to the cross, to the Lord, to repentance, right? Yes, yes. Um, and 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 as a result, <laughs> they're still being bit by serpents, man. It ain't it ain't gone away. And we're not just talking about coronavirus. We're talking about everything that's happening in the world right now, right? But especially uh, what's going on in this country as we come to this 4th of July weekend in a couple of days. I mean, they're talking about, you know, blowing up Mount Rushmore. And, you know, I mean, this is crazy, man. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I heard that. You know, tearing down Jesus statues and, you know, Abraham Lee. I mean, it's just insane what's going on. And, and 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 the people are being bit by death. Death is is all over this country, and and, uh, and we'll get into that as we close today. But let, let's not lose sight of here of what we're learning because it's important to understand because that's what Jesus was talking to about uh, to Nicodemus when he when he said, "You go look at this thing," and and it's it was Jesus preaching to Nicodemus. He said, "Look, Moses prayed for the people." But 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 it wasn't lifted. It wasn't lifted until verse eight when the Lord tells Moses what to do. And that kind of hints at something really cool, right? Because when Jesus gives that in John chapter three, verse uh, fourteen, fifteen, and sixteen, which we started out reading, right? He says that as Moses lifted up the the serpent on the on the pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. And then he goes into verse 16 where he says, For God so loved the world that he gave, right? His only son. That's what he's telling Nicodemus. Well, we see that same thing here. Moses prays, nothing happens. But then the Lord says to Moses, Make a fiery serpent. It's almost John 3.16, only in different language. For God so loved the world that he told Moses what to do, right? (laughs) He said, Make a cross, right? (laughs) Yes. can you see that? Amen. Yes. Yeah. Now I wanna uh, wow. go ahead, brother. You gonna say something? No, I, I just think it's so interesting 
as as Jesus took Nicodemus to the story of Moses. And I'm wondering if the same thing happened to him, at least what happened to me as I was going this morning to read Numbers 20, mm-hmm. I happened to go by number 16 mm-hmm. and read the story of Korah, the rebellion. And it, 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 this is what I just want to share. This. It just says, were 250 princes, men of renown in the congregation, Mm-hmm. who opposed Moses, the type of Jesus. I just wonder, right. if, you know, isn't it amazing just a few chapters before this chorus situation happens, before we get to, you know, what we're reading in chapter 20, and the people didn't learn from that. The people yeah. did not learn from what they saw. You know, and I'm just wondering if, 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 if Nicodemus, as he went to go search these things, the clues that Jesus gave him concerning the, the serpent being lifted up. I just wonder if he also read the, the account of Korah, you know, you would know, you would, you would, yeah, you would fully expect that to be right. Cause again, right. this is a master in Israel. Jesus called him a master. Yes. He made him yeah. question his mastery though. Right. I mean, are you really a master of the word of God? Let me, let me take you a little deeper here. So what he was basically saying, go back and look. And yes. look like brother, like you pointed out, and brother Fernando, you pointed out two days ago when you said, "Listen, this is Jesus teaching Nicodemus how to interpret Scripture," because he draws him to this right. He draws him to this obscure event, you know that again they're dying because of their sin and rebellion, right? But right, but he takes him to this one little passage in Scripture and says, "Now go look there," and he's teaching him how to interpret Scripture. Like we talked yeah. about yesterday at the conclusion of the podcast, you know, it would be Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, along with Mary and Martha, or Mary and Mary Magdalene and John the Apostle and several other women, who would take Jesus down from the cross. And we, we, we talked about, I felt the presence of God yesterday overwhelm me as I, I could literally see Nicodemus approaching Calvary with Joseph of Arimathea, fresh from his Hallelujah. meeting with, with, with Pontius Pilate you know, who gave him permission to take his body down. And and as he's walking up Calvary's hill, he sees Jesus there hanging on a pole. I wonder, did he, did, did, did this, this story we're looking at right now suddenly burst into his spirit like a thousand sunrises? Like, oh my God. It had to. It had to. Absolutely. Mm. Hallelujah. It, it did. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, and that brings me to this, because as as a man of God, you know, there's other scriptures we could look at, you know, Romans 8, you know, that God sent his son in the likeness of sinful flesh, right? Or Mm -hmm. or 2 Corinthians, where he talks about he became a serpent for us. He became sin for us, right? Or Peter talking about those that hang on a tree. All those in the New Testament are references to this event, to this symbolism that was given uh, in, in but I want to I want to look at something really cool here, and I, and I want to let you see something here, where it says that he tells Moses, make a fiery per, uh, serpent, and then he says, set it upon a pole. Hmm. And, and when you look at the word pole in the Hebrew, it literally means a, a flagpole, but it also means to it to, that the flag or is is a banner. It's a banner. Remember that word, banner. It's a signal. It's a sign. 
right? And and that's what he was he was saying as Moses lifted up the uh, the serpent on the pole, right? He's literally saying it's going to be a sign, it's going to be a banner. And and he's using the same uh, language for pole. It, it comes from the same language as is used in Exodus seventeen, uh, verse verse uh, fifteen. Can you read that, brother Jeremy? Yes, Nicodemus would have been familiar. I mean, these guys look at every letter <laughs> when they read a word. Right. Every letter, every jot, every tittle, Jesus called it, means something. And these things set off uh, further exploration. I'm not saying that Nicodemus did this, but we can. And I think maybe he did, you know, later. But these were things that would jar things in his thought processes. And this is the Battle of Amalek. When Moses' arms were held up by Aaron and her, and Joshua was down in the valley destroying Amalek. And then after that that victory in the valley there by Joshua, um, Moses does something in verse 15. Can you read that, Brother Jeremy? Yes. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nisi. Hallelujah. Jehovah Nisi. Jehovah Nisi, which means the Lord is my banner. Yes. The Lord is my flagpole. The Lord is my banner. And so when we go back to Numbers or we look at, at John 3.14 where he's re referencing this, Jesus is using this kind of language. They're speaking Hebrew, right? So uh, he, he's basically telling them, listen, this as Moses lifted up that pole, it was meant to be a sign and a banner and the serpent upon it. So the Son of Man is going to have to be a sign and a banner. Mm -hmm. But then he goes into, into verse 16, which is so cool, remembering that the pole represents a sign, a banner. And then he says something interesting in John chapter 3, verse 16. Can you read that to us, Brother Jeremy? Yes. Yes. It says in John chapter 3, verse 17. Uh, 16. 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Yes, and the word believeth is the same kind of meaning as as happened in Numbers uh, that we were just reading when Moses lifted up the serpent on the pole, and God told him, whoever looks upon him, it's the same meaning. It means to see and to perceive, it's not enough to just look at the gospel. You have to perceive and understand what it is. A miracle took place in the wilderness. When Moses made this banner, this flagpole, and put that serpent on it, he was preaching the gospel. He was doing exactly what God told him. God so loved the world that he gave, right? That's what he's saying to him. And then he said this, uh, you know, whoever believes. God had told Moses, have the people look, the same Hebrew meaning uh, as what the Lord said in John 3.16. Whoever believes is the same as looking. It means to perceive it. There is a miracle that takes place. Hallelujah. When you, yeah. see, <laughs> when you come to the Lord, it is more than a casual, you know, listening to the gospel kind of thing. 
It is when the Spirit of God does that miraculous thing in which Jesus was trying to convey to Nicodemus, you must be born from above. And the only way that's going to happen is if you perceive and fully understand and discern of that serpent that's on the pole or the Son of Man that will be lifted up in the same way. And that's why we talked about, like you said earlier, Brother Fernando, when you said he had to have gotten saved he had to have been thinking about that yes because when he came up calvary he was already convinced but i think something went deeper there when he saw him he understood and he was saved you know history tells us he went on to to become a great preacher and and be part of the church but but the point is this again jesus transitions from the pole which is a banner and goes right into love right god so loved so we could say it this way his pole his flagstaff his banner over me is what love right god so loved yes yes and 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 when i was meditating on that this morning i went oh my god i gotta go look at this so i turned over and we're gonna look a little deeper if the lord allows i'm just gonna take a little prophetic side note remembering that phrase, his pole or his banner over me is God so loved the world, right? His banner over me, his sign over me is that he loves me and he gave his son. Let's go over to the Song of Solomon and we'll see something really cool with that in mind. Song of Solomon, chapter 2. Are you there? <laughs> Song of Solomon, chapter 2. I'm here. Yeah. You didn't know that Jesus was telling Nicodemus about the Song of Solomon? Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Look at this. Amen. Amen. This is is really cool here because in verse, read verse 1 through 4 to us, would you, Brother Jeremy? Yes. It says, I am the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valley. As the lily among thorns, so is my love among the daughters. As the apple tree among the trees of the wood, so is my beloved among the sons. I sat down under his shadow with great delight, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. He brought me to the ban- to the banqueting banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. Hallelujah. His banner over me was love. He's talking about the cross. He's talking about the cross. You know, this song of Solomon, this, this is this is all about the, the groom and his bride. And, and she talks about his banner over me is love or his sign over me. That which identifies me as his bride is his love toward me, which was revealed at Calvary, right? At the cross. So I want to show you something here. This is really cool because what's being revealed here. And what's even as identified as his banner, his sign, his signal of love, which is the cross, which he's referring Nicodemus to. In the Song of Solomon, it's written so incredibly. Look at We know that Jesus is the Rose of Sharon, right? That's that's one of his names. He's the Lily of the Valley, right? (laughs) He's the Lily of the Valley. You know that song? (laughs) Look at at how he's described here in verse 2. He's the lily among the thorns. 
Remember what they placed on his head? A crown of thorns. Yes. Right? Yes. Yes. And he said, this is, this is my love among the daughters. He's speaking of the church. He's speaking of the virgins, right? I mean, he's speaking of his bride and, 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 and those, those churches, really. He's saying, this is how I demonstrate my love. I'm a lily amongst the thorns. I, I'm going to become this thing. I'm going to be crowned with thorns, but it, it's going to demonstrate my love to the daughters or to the churches, if you will. And then and then it, it references King David and trees, right? Uh, as the apple, David was called the apple of the Lord's eye, right? He's the apple of his eye. <laughs> as the apple, who is the father, or according to the flesh of, of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Jesus Christ, son of David, son of Abraham. As the apple tree amongst the trees of wood, so is my beloved amongst the sons. He's the most precious. He's the most beloved. He's the lily of the valley. He's the he's he's the rose of Sharon. He's the lily with thorns on his head. And and he is the apple amongst the trees. He's the best son among sons. He, he's talking about the Lord. And then she begins to talk about I sat under his shadow with great delight it's the shadow of his love is it, the cross you know that's where he, he god so loved the world i sat under that shadow and then he speaks of the outpouring of the spirit his fruit was sweet to my taste it made way for the fruit of the spirit to come and then the ultimate destiny will be the banqueting house right the marriage supper we were talking about that last week they went into the banqueting feast the marriage feast and 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 what marked their 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 entry was his banner over me is love. Speaking of the cross, that's what gives us entrance to the banqueting house. Stay with me, flagons. Comfort me with apples. I'm sick of love. It then transitions and begins to talk about a bride longing for her her Lord's return. It speaks of the spirit in this sense because in verse 6 it says, His left hand is under my head. His right hand doth embrace me. That, he, he said of the spirit, I will not leave you comfortless, right? He will comfort you. He will guide you. Yeah. And then verse 7, she begins to speak, I charge you, O ye daughters of Jerusalem, by the rose and by the hinds of the field, that you stir not up nor awake my love until he please. In other words, he will not return until it's time, right? And so then she goes on to say this, and we're going through this really quickly. And it's just a side note. I just want to show you some prophetic things involving the cross and, and all that would be played out here. Um, the voice of my beloved, she begins to hear his voice. Behold, listen to this. Doesn't this sound like the ten wise and the, and the ten foolish? I mean, the five wise and the five foolish. She hears the voice. Of my beloved, behold, he's coming, leaping mm. upon the mountains and skipping upon the hill. My beloved is like a roe or a young heart. Behold, listen to this. He stands behind our wall. It's mm. like the dimension that separates us for now between the heaven and the earth. But look, he's getting ready to come because look, behold, he stands behind the wall, but he's looking forth through the windows. 
He's showing himself through the lattice. It's speaking of the end times. It's speaking of how he's now standing and he's peering at us from the dimension of heaven. He can see his bride and he's passing through the lattice. What what the bride is actually saying here is that I can see him. I can see the silhouette of him. I can see every time he passes the lattice, the light fills through and I, I, I can sense he's coming. Yes. And my belo- and then it says this, my beloved spoke and said unto me what? Rise up, Rise up. my love, my fair one, <laughs> and come away. That's the rapture of the church, right? I mean, he comes yes. to get us. And he, and 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 he he says uh for her to rise. But listen, when is this going to happen? Jesus is talking to Nicodemus at Passover. Jesus is crucified at Passover. Jesus rises from the dead at Passover. He tells his beloved in the Song of Solomon, uh, rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. And she identifies the time. What? The winter is past. The rain is over and gone. And what? The flowers appear on the earth. The time of singing of the birds is come. The voice of the turtle is heard in our land. The fig tree is putting forth her green figs. The vines with tender grape give a good smell. Arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. That's springtime. That's Passover. Mm. And his banner over me is love. It's his cross. He was referring <laughs> Nicodemus to this, to all these things. And 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 over time, I know he 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 read these things and 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 uh, began to fully understand. My goodness, the depth by oh, which Jesus was speaking was incredible. Now I know some yes. people out there you you can't make the connection. That's okay. You will someday. Just keep seeking the Lord and 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 all that. Because some of these scriptures are obscure. When's the last time you heard a message out of the Song of Solomon? Not very often, right? Okay. So. Mm-hmm. But Jesus is that lily of the valley. He is the rose of Sharon. And in verse 4, he refers to the cross, Song of Solomon, in his banner over me is love. I took you to Exodus uh, uh, 17, verse 15, because Moses uh, called the altar he made after the defeat of Amalek, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah my banner. Jesus tells mm-hmm. him, go back and study the story of Moses lifting up the serpent on the pole. The word pole means his banner. Jesus says that the pole that God used was a banner, and that banner was love, right? God so loved the world. So a pole or a banner or Mm -hmm. love, and here we have the Song of Solomon, the same phrase, his banner over me is is love. love. Glory to God, my mind. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. That's what he's saying to Nicodemus. This is an act Mm. of love. That's why he goes on in verse 10. Let's go back here real quick as we close. He goes, it says, for God so loved his banner, his pole. Nicodemus would have heard it that way. His sign or his banner over us is going to be love. God so loved. He he put his banner over you. He's going to put his banner over you. And it's me, Nicodemus. This <laughs> is what he's like literally saying. Because he goes on in verse 16, right? John chapter 3, 16. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He so loved the world. He gave him. That whosoever believes in him should not perish. He's talking about like what happened to them back in the wilderness just before they went into the promised land. Whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
and then he begins to transition into into revealing. And and I just wanted to say one other thing that the Lord brought to my attention today, because remember he's blowing Nicodemus's mind because because also the the purveying or prevailing thought amongst the Jews was that they themselves were the exclusive nation of all the nations that were going to be saved. They were God's people. They were the chosen ones, right? But Jesus doesn't say God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that Israel could be saved. He takes right. him beyond, right? He takes him beyond that and says, this is about the whole world, Nicodemus. Yes. That itself was such a radical thought, you know, because now he's including the whole world. Yes. And, and and there's so much there that he was teaching him and, and that it would all be accomplished by the son of the living God. Brother Marty, yeah, go ahead, brother. You know, the term born again, and you could help me out on this if I, you know, misquote something, but the term born again, uh, Nicodemus was familiar with that term because it was a term used when like, like a, a heathen, what they call a heathen or a Gentile, proselyting to being a Jew, they call it born again. I don't know if you ever heard that. But that's a term that they use. No, Nicodemus that's exactly was, right. <laughs> yes, that's and, exactly right. But if you notice that Jesus tells Nicodemus, except a man be born again, he, he's speaking to everybody, including the Jews. <laughs> and so yeah. this hit him because, you know, the only term that he knew about the born again is when a, a Gentile proselyte would turn into into being a proselyte Jew, they would they would term that born again. Right? And yes, uh, term that being born again, but also uh to the end that they're able to enter into the kingdom. And the kingdom right. as they de- as they defined it, right? That's good, brother. Yes, yes was that's good. what was Israel. <laughs> it was to Israel. them, right? Yes, through them exclusively. So now, yeah, gotcha. Yes, and so now he's—he's. He's, you're right, but that's a good point to bring out. He's radically, you know, shaking up his mind here, and says, "You know what? Uh, <laughs> you guys have created a system that is completely wrong. You can't even enter. You know, you haven't even entered it. <laughs> you think you're in right. it, <laughs> right?" And right. uh, and yes, you're right. He's using phrases that were that were that were, that they themselves would use, right? And and so it's really profound here. And he goes on to say in verse 17, uh, God didn't send His Son in the world into the world to condemn it, but that the world through Him would be saved. And and again, he's speaking so profoundly in the gospel because remember he started this whole last part of what he's talking to him about by having him go and look at at the serpent on the pole. He would become sin for us. He would take upon himself uh, the form, right, of sinful flesh, the Bible says, just like Moses was to fold, uh, to to form and shape uh, that deadly serpent and put it on the pole. He was preaching the gospel to him. And, And Jesus reveals himself, first of all, by saying, God didn't send me to judge. 
He sent me first so that there would be an opportunity for the world to be saved. But then he says this, very interesting in verse 18, he that believes on him isn't condemned. And, 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 but he that doesn't believe on him is condemned already. Like a, like, you know, like a guy on death row, right? He's just waiting for the execution date. That's kind of what he's saying. Every person that's born into the world is simply awaiting their execution date. Mm. Unless, Right. Unless. Yes. Unless. And so the wrath of God is abiding on the children of disobedience. Right. They may be running free. So it seems. But they're running toward the gas chamber. <laughs> or the electric chair, man. I mean, it's coming. Right. And, and, and then he goes on and says this because. Because he didn't believe in the name of the only begotten of the Father. He, he He's really distinguishing some very incredible things and calling himself the Son of God. He starts out calling himself, <laughs> himself as, as the, you know, as, as the, uh, as his son or the Son of Man. And then he, he goes on and talks about the serpent. He becomes a, a serpent like Moses. Then he talks about, he calls himself the son of God and, and, yes. and it's, and he calls himself the judge, you know, God is the judge. God has a son. These are all crazy ideas to Nicodemus. How can God have a son? You know, <laughs> all these things, these yeah. things would come in and to light, right? As a matter of fact, that's why the, the other Pharisees killed him because you claim to be the yeah. son of God. Yeah. You're not the Messiah. You're not Yeshua Ben David. They were looking for a, uh, uh, you know, uh, Yeshua or or Mashiach ben David, the 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 Messiah, the son of David, or Mashiach ben Joseph. They were first looking for for Joseph to come, and then David. They they believe in two messiahs, by the way. You know, which is why I think it's kind of ironic that that the the stepfather of Jesus, his name was Joseph. He literally fulfilled both. He could literally be called Messiah ben Joseph, right? He is Messiah, the son of Joseph. And he could also be called Mashiach ben David because he came out of the tribe of Judah. And David was his his uh, his natural father, so to speak, in the line of David. That's why the Bible begins in Matthew, Jesus Christ, son of David. So he fulfilled both. But he goes beyond that and says, I'm the son of God. I, 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 I'm even higher than David. I, I'm God's son. But what he says here in verse 18 is very interesting. He says, the wrath is abiding upon those that don't believe. And then he says, because what they didn't believe, they, they did not believe in the name. He's also referring to the leaders in, in Israel. Because the word name, it, it, it means two things, his authority and his character. You know, who he was in essence, his divine perfection, the quality of his character. They didn't believe in that. And neither did they believe in his authority, like when they contested him when he cleansed the temple earlier that day, right? They rejected his authority, and neither did they embrace the quality of the character that he was. And he says that's what condemns them. And and because they have rejected the quality and character of the only one of his kind, the Son of God. There's only one Jesus, and there'll only ever be one Jesus. We'll be conformed into his image. 
right? But there's only one Jesus. Uh, he, he's the only begotten. That's how he identifies himself. That's how the apostles identify himself. He's the only one. He's the only one ever who can be qualified as the Son of God. He's one of a kind. He's unique. He's the only one qualified. He's God manifested in the flesh. He says, they don't believe in my authority. They don't believe in my character. And they reject me, whom God sent. But then he says this. This is the condemnation. This is what ultimately uh, sends them away. That light is come into the world. And men love darkness rather than the light. It's almost a, a hint and a reference to some several podcasts ago when we talked about the gospel in the first five verses of the Bible, right? Uh, Genesis chapter 1, 1 through 5. Because right. he's referencing light and darkness, right? The darkness comprehended it not. But this is this is it, that light came into the world. Darkness, uh, men loved the darkness. That's incredible. Because he, he's, he's basically... <laughs> He's basically saying they re would rather embrace the world that then was, in a way, than than the world that God healed. And he did that by by sending the light, right? And if you go back to Genesis chapter 1, you'll hear that phrasing, right? The, and darkness covers the face of the deep. But then God shows up by his spirit and says, let there be light. And there was light. God saw the light, that it was good. But men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. What they do. Because every man, verse 20, that does evil hates the light. And neither will he come to the light lest his deeds should be reproved. That literally means that when men reject the gospel, it is simply and, and, and at its basis level because they don't want to be corrected. They don't want to change their life. They don't want what God is offering right but he, but he that does truth he comes to the light he's drawn by god to the light and so that his deeds may be manifested they are wrought in god they live a life as a testimony of obedience to the will of god they want to be healed and they will live they will live forever is what he goes on to say but you know uh that brings us to what you guys were talking about earlier, you know. It's 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 like a concluding thought, and I want you to jump in when you can here. Um, you know, America has, has loathed the bread from heaven. That's why we're in the trouble that we're in, just like Israel of old, just like Jesus was calling attention to these things to Nicodemus. The preachers are no longer preaching the Lord Jesus Christ. What did the right. children of Israel want? We read it, right? They wanted bread and water, earthly bread, earthly water. So the preachers have offered them earthly bread and earthly water, the kind of water that cannot, you know, quench the thirst of a soul or a heart. That's what they offer to the people. And they and this they offer and, and they do not uh, love the heavenly Manna, right? They, they 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 don't love the Lord. They loathe the light bread, like we were reading. They speak and they murmur by their actions and their messages that they preach. They preach against the Father and the Son they, because they don't preach the true gospel. 
you know, what it's done is produce congregations and spoiled, fleshly, weird-looking children in the house of God, man. And, you know, the, they don't want the process. Remember, God took Israel by the way of the Red Sea just before they entered the Promised Land, right? That's what we were just reading just before, and that's what caused them to start con complaining. But why did he take them by way of the Red Sea back then? Why did he bring them out into that wilderness like Brother Fernando was talking about earlier? I think it's because the Lord was trying to remind them that it was the Lord uh, who was able, like he had done for their fathers, uh, to deliver them and bring them into the promised land. Remember that great miracle of the Red Sea when he parted the Red Sea and they crossed over and he, and he destroyed all their enemies. They were just getting ready to go into the promised land, but they were going to have to defeat a whole bunch of enemies to get there. I think he was trying to give them a little history lesson, but they didn't want to go by way that way. Like today, right? We want easy access without without trial, without scrutiny, without working on our life. Uh, you know, we, we, we want understanding, but we don't we don't want the true understanding. Many in the many in the modern church today say, give me bread, give me water of this world. Right. And I think that that's what's happened to us. Judgment has come. Serpents, if you will. Our entire nation. We're talking about the Christian church now in this nation. And truly, like you guys were saying earlier, Calvary is the only answer, man. You know, and then like Jesus, you either you either love the light or you love the darkness. Go ahead, brother. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no. It, and Jesus challenged 400 years of of their uh, ideology or or teachings that they had developed that weren't preparing the people for his coming. Now, for yeah. us, I think in the, in the church in America, it's maybe been I don't know, 30, 40, 50 years of, of us developing this kind of kingdom now, you know, mentality where we're going to fix this this world and, and get it ready for Jesus to come. And, and, and I think God is, the Lord is beginning to speak to us, just like he's beginning to have, it's midnight, right? And that's when Nicodemus came to Jesus. It's, it's the midnight hour today. And That's Jesus right, is brother. having the same conversations with individuals today. And he is challenging them on everything that they have heard and been taught. Think about that now. That's, That's what's happening today. Jesus is trying to have a conversation with each and one of us. But are we willing to go out and meet him and go have this conversation with him? Go to the word. You know, we spoke about the ten, the ten virgins. It says they all went and got their lamps. They all went yeah. back to the word, right? <laughs> Five didn't have oil to, to understand the revelation concerning the end times. The others did, right? And, and, and by the grace of God, every indication seems that Nicodemus understood it. He had oil with him to 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 glean from the scriptures of Moses and the fiery serpent in the wilderness and understand it that yes. that that what 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 the Lord was veiling in, in that story was his love and how he would ultimately redeem mankind. Right? And that's really what the Lord is trying to say to us today. You know, yeah. as a people that he loves us. You know, he he loves us dearly so much. 
and he paid a price for us. And he, sometimes he has to allow these things to happen. And yeah, he has to allow serpents to come and bite us, so to speak, right? so that we can turn to him and realize that, that, that his grace and his love is sufficient for us. And we don't have to get bitten. We don't have to be snake bitten, right? We, we, we <laughs> can look to him and live. <laughs> and yeah, live, right? so, yeah, yeah. No, that's powerful, man. You were making me think, like what Brother Jeremy was talking about earlier, is, you know, we've come to this place, you know, where I, w- I was meditating on this earlier, too, like we were just discussing, you know, they were right at the edge of going into the promised land. And I think right. that we, as a as a culture, as a generation, we are at the door. And, and just before that, just before... Our, our re our reunification, if you will, with our heavenly bread, right? Our, our heavenly manna, our, our Lord Jesus Christ, the bread of life from heaven. They're falling away. They 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 want earthly bread. They want earthly water. They want to slake the thirst of their soul, their mind, which they've been doing, and we've all been guilty of really over the last several years of looking for other sources, looking for other means of satisfaction because we've actually become so familiar and so used to this gospel thing, this this cross of Jesus Christ, this whole thing. You know, it's it, I'm tired of it. I, I'm just kind of bored with it all. It doesn't hold the same joy and, and passion and, and, and great wonder that it once did. You know, it, it no longer matters that it that it's heavenly bread. And, and we've had an entire generation of preachers, kids, and fallen away preachers, and, and and crazy stuff, man. The earthly bread. We want prosperity now, right? Earthly water, right? right? I want to drink from the fountains of entertainment and sports and and sex, drugs, rock and roll, whatever, man. And 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 I don't I don't really want this Jesus. And so God says, mm-hmm. fine. You know, God says, fine, go ahead. And and now our land is filled with fiery serpents, man. Yes. And we, yes. right. And, and we've got people, uh, an entire corrupted generation, uh, in, in desperation. And and like you said, brothers earlier, and brother Fernando, you just said it. He he's having a conversation with his church right now. Yes. And 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 there's only one thing that'll heal this land. Is what we talked about months ago. The true Second Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and 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 pray and turn from their wicked ways, right? <laughs> then yeah. I will heal their land. So it, it, it's where we are. I mean, we're at the crossroads. It's the midnight hour, like Brother Fernando was just saying. It's it, it it's uh it, it, it's that time like we were just reading you yes. know America has to turn right yes the fallen church has to turn to Calvary that's right. the only answer that's what you're saying right he's saying you need to come back to my banner over you right yes, <laughs> you yeah. need to come back you know, go ahead brother you know it's interesting what is he saying you know to us right that's what that's what we're relating. It's interesting yeah. in Deuteronomy 8 that uh, right before they went to the promised land, God has a conversation with his people. And he reminds them that it was him 
that that led them through the 40 years in the wilderness. But for what? This is the conversation. To humble thee. To prove thee. Yeah. Yeah. To know what is in your heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or not. We're talking about the bread of life early on. Right, right now, you, you just mentioned it. Preachers, right? He says, and he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger, but he fed thee with manna, which thou knowest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of the Lord that doth, doth man live. And he says, I am the one who led thee through that great and terrible wilderness where there was fiery serpents of scorpions and drought where there was no water, but who brought forth water out of the rock. And I believe what what God is saying to us, yes, these signs is, you know, the world and God is judging and these are consequences of, of our sins, but he's also talking to his people and he's proving that it's in this hour, right before we get into the promised land, to show us what is in our heart and to see if thou wouldest keep his commandments, his word, or not. So everything is a proving that is going on in the hearts of people today to show who's his. Separation, who belongs to him, and who was not of him. Very powerful. Very powerful. And and you know, brother, uh, uh, America, like we were saying, it, it has to turn, the fallen church. It has to turn to Calvary, to the cross, right. the serpent on the pole. Yeah. So it has to do it now. It must repent now or it will die. That is where we are. And I'm just going to boldly put it out there. You know, that is where we are. Sure. And and and. And whether you can see it or not, uh, the nation is at the doorstep. It is no accident that we're getting ready to celebrate uh, the birth of our nation, and and all this stuff is going on. Okay. And 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 God is saying, that it, I don't think there's ever been a clearer choice that's being presented to the country. I mean, we've been through some bad things. I'm older yeah. than you guys, so I've seen I've seen a little bit more. But I mean, we, we were all around the same time, experiencing. You know, since 9-11, all the crazy stuff that's happened up till now, I've never seen anything like this. I I used to think back then, you know, coming into uh, the late 60s and the 70s, I mean, every gen- every 10 years, something crazy happened, you know, and I would think, ah, oh, this is it, you know, this is it. When we came into 9-11, oh, this is definitely it. Well, it's right. even worse now. <laughs> right. This yeah. is worse than anything I've ever seen. And uh, and and we have to realize what's happening, because this nation is about to make a choice, and I think it already has. I think it's obvious what's happening when our leaders yeah. are, are are bowing the knee to Marxist Leninist philosophy, uh, letting children rule over them, and and uh, and it doesn't matter whether you're Republican or or Democrat or Independent; they're all doing the same thing. They just defunded one billion dollars from the police department in New York City. 
They just had the L.A. chief, unified police chief, just resign last night. They took $100 million away from the police force. Let me ask you something. Who's going to come help you when you're in trouble? Nobody. Do you realize where we're at? What's happening, you know? It's incredible. And the peop- and, and the, the leadership that is trying to def- defund uh, police uh, departments is spending a large amount of money on protecting themselves. That's right. <laughs> the irony of it all, right? Yeah. Yeah, right. We need a private yeah. security force, but, but you little people out there, you know, it's every man for himself, yeah. basically is what they're saying. But again, well, what's this got to do with Nicodemus, right? I mean, well, in essence, Jesus Jesus was pleading with him, right? Yeah. Because, in my opinion, at least it does, in our opinion, because Jesus was pleading with him. You know, he knew that in 40 years from that point, the whole nation would be destroyed. The temple would be burned to the ground because of their sin. And they would be scattered to the four corners of the earth. It's a type of that final judgment. It's a type of the wrath of God. It actually happened in AD 70, but it's a foreshadow of the ultimate wrath that's coming. And many, many of God's people died. Over a million of them were crucified on Roman crosses when they were judged, when they besieged the city. Don't think it can't happen here. And he's extending his hand, like the brothers are saying. He's saying, wake up, America. And if anything, church, wake up. Whether you hear or don't hear, I know that God has his voice and that he's speaking to these to these precious saints of God that are listening out there and, and in many other places with faithful pastors around the country and around the world. But we're dealing with our nation because it is the supreme expression in the West of the Judeo-Christian nation. It is made up of every tribe, every nation, every tongue, and it was founded on the principles of Almighty God. You know, (laughs) we hold these truths to be self-evident, right? That all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, right? Endowed by their creator. The very Constitution is built, the framework of it. That's it. on On the principles of God. And so we have rejected that and gone so far from that. And and I'm talking about God's people now. And now they want to turn back and try to do something. It's almost as if the children of Israel who came to the promised land and then and they got all crazy and, and then they wanted to change their mind and go back in. And he said, no, <laughs> you can't. You're going to die if you try to do that. You know, right. you're going to have to submit to what God is doing. But see, America needs to turn. The fallen church needs to come back. And and that begins right at the foot of the cross, because it's there that we acknowledge our sin. It's there that we see what our sin did to our Savior, and we break under the great banner of his love that is shed and, and cast that shadow over us. His arms stretched far and wide in an embrace that is infinite, if you can see it, if you will receive it. But you see, I also isn't know it, that there's those who... Go ahead. Isn't it one, one, uh, no wonder that uh, the cross has been under attack within religious circles and mis- mm-hmm. misinterpreted and misrepresented it? And, and Jesus was telling a religious man, you know, to, to understand the cross correctly. And, and like you said, 
to to repent of his ways, you know, to be born again. Yes. Right? And I think I think that's the true message of the cross. It's is that we have to see his love and realize that, you know what, we we've we've not understood his love and his grace and his mercy toward we need to repent. Mm-hmm. You know? It's you know when you mention the cross now, it's about grace and and you know sanctification and this and that or whatever. No, but here he's talking to a religious man that doesn't have an understanding of it. You know, yeah. and 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 I, I wonder, I wonder how many of us have true understanding of of what Jesus did for us. You know that that banner of love that 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 stands tall. You know that 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 reminds us all that we need him that the penalty that was paid it took his life you know to 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 cleanse us of all sin and to and to and from all unrighteousness that's yeah. what we need the the yeah. we say oh the old-fashioned gospel and you said it the other day uh you know when we were you know um we were talking and you said no it's the only gospel it's the only God, yeah. <laughs> you know? Hallelujah. You know, brother, Hallelujah. Uh, what you just said there, you know, to, to, to look at the real gospel, that is the condition we have in this country, that, that what evolved into what we see now in, in this 21st century, the megachurch, the, 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 the ministries, whether they're megachurches or not, they've been so influenced by the megachurches and, and the philosophy of Christianity not the gospel of Jesus Christ, but the philosophy of Christianity that has pervaded the culture for 20, 30 years now. And I, you're, you're precisely right. The real gospel has not been preached. And so right. we have churches filled with people who think that they're saved <laughs> and they don't know the yeah. first thing about it. And yeah. and that's kind of what you just said there when you said, look, he's talking to a highly skilled highly evolved religious spiritual man here, a member of the Sanhedrin, Nicodemus. And he's telling him, you don't know anything. You can't even see it. You think you're one way, but the truth is you're not. And you're going to have to look right. at something. And that's me right. on a cross in an, in an incredible display of my love and the yes. love of my father. You know, but like we said, like we were saying, America's door is closing. You know, brother, when you guys were talking, I was I was seeing a, an image of Christ. You know, we're working in the studio, as you know, and, and we'll be announcing some things in the next several weeks about another platform that you'll be able to <clears throat> to to see uh, brother Fernando, Jeremy, and I, and, and brother Jeremiah, and and some of the things we're doing. But oh, uh, we'll talk about that later. But there, we're, we're working on this particular. Uh, film and 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 one of the images in the film is, is of Christ on the cross on Calvary's hill and it's very striking because the the sun is setting behind the cross and and Christ hanging on the cross and the sun is setting you know and and it, and it's a it's an striking image because that's when Nicodemus came to get Jesus he had to get him off the cross because it was the high sabbath day and and you can we'll study that someday. But I mean, if he didn't take him down from the cross, he wouldn't have been able to have a proper burial or fulfill the law. So the sun was setting when they came to get him. 
And I think that's that image strikes my spirit because I see that now. The sun is yeah. setting, you know, and, and yet there's rays of light that are emitting from the extended arms of love of the Lord to this country. And he's saying, come while, while you still can't. Right. I want to end it on, yeah. you know, I want to end it on this. You know, I want to say this. I want to say this. Um, I know that there are those of you out there that do hear his voice. Things have gotten really dramatic and serious, probably more than than you've had in years or, or in months or in weeks. Or maybe you've just been walking with the Lord and praise the Lord, right? I mean, we're all in different places. But, but unto those that hear his voice. You know, they know and you know that, that Calvary is his banner of love, like we were sharing in the Song of Solomon. And you, you're you longing for his return. And he is soon to return. Trust trust me, I know. <laughs> I know this in my spirit. He's coming soon. And, and you know what? It's kind of like the Song of Solomon said, right? He's looking through the window, man. He's showing himself through the lattice. I and mean, we can almost see him. We can sense yeah. it. If you If you... If you have any modicum of spiritual connection with the Holy Spirit, you sense something is different about this time. Yes. Right? Yes. yes. And, and and the discerning and the true bride is waking up. She can see his silhouette as he paces at the lattice. I love the way that says that in the song. I know he's looking down at us, and we, it's almost as we we can see him. We can hear him. And we're going to hear him say, like he said in the Song of Solomon, right? He's going to come and he's going to say, rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away with me. Hallelujah. We shall meet the Lord in the air. It's going to get rough from here on in. And then we don't say that with any glee. But we are desperately in our little corner of the world, in our little efforts for the kingdom of God. We're pleading with you. Share these podcasts with your loved ones. Whether they'll accept them or not, give it to them anyway. Share them with your loved ones. Share them with your friends, your your community. Now is the time. Because unless something dramatic happens, the days ahead are going to be incredibly, incredibly sad and tragic as we see uh, the decline of what was once a nation set on a hill that gave light to the whole world and sent missionaries everywhere preaching the gospel. God help us all to heed the words of the Lord like he gave to Nicodemus. Whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. He is the light of the world. He was the light then. He's the light now. And he's always been and forever will be the light of the world. And so, you know, we pray you've been blessed by these these little explorations in the the meeting between Nicodemus and Jesus and uh and 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 I hope that you go back and listen to a lot of the things that were spoken in these last four podcasts because there's a lot of really uh well researched you know and 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 sought after information that the Lord allowed us to bring out so tomorrow we're gonna head into the fourth of July weekend I think tomorrow's Friday is tomorrow Friday yes yes it is yeah <clears throat> and we're gonna do a, a special tomorrow uh looking at at the United States we're gonna discuss some things uh you know, there were there was a, a couple of things we want to share with you about a a, a pastor had a dream, uh, which I believe is a warning from the Lord. We're going to discuss that. We're going to discuss some upcoming signs uh, that are happening and have been happening. And we're going to talk about 
Luke chapter 21, right? The, the, the coming of the Lord. So tomorrow will be a day of prophecy and looking at the signs, identifying the things that are happening. I think it'll be an interesting uh, little broadcast that we do as we close out our week tomorrow. But we love you. We pray you've been encouraged. <clears throat> and we pray that you, uh, that you continue uh, to, to walk with him and to love him and, uh, and, and to preach the gospel while we still can. Brother Jeremy, Brother yeah. Fernando, any, any closing thoughts? Amen. To quote, to quote um, uh, a lyrics from a, uh, one of the many songs that the great Fanny Jane uh, Crosby, who was, uh, was um, blind at birth, I want to quote just a little a verse from there. Perfect submission, perfect delight, visions of rapture, now burst on my sight. Angels descending bring from above echoes of mercy and whispers of love. Perfect submission, all is at rest. I am my Savior and happy and blessed. Watching and waiting, looking above. Filled with his goodness, lost in his love. This is my story, and this is our song, church. Yes, America must turn, but it must turn now. Yes, preachers must turn, but they must turn now before it's too late. We pray that you've been blessed. We pray that God has spoken to you as he's spoken to our spirit and to our hearts today. And uh, we look forward uh, for tomorrow uh, to discuss the things that as Brother Marty has mentioned and to be able to, uh, you know, uh, know and, and understand the things that God has shown, not just to us, but unto other servants of God whom God is speaking yeah. to. Amen. Amen. So may, may God bless you. May God keep you. And keep looking up.